Have you ever heard of the term Medicaid planning or just Medicaid in general? Um, not to be confused with Medicare, which I think a lot of us are familiar with or are getting familiar with as we approach age 65, but Medicaid is a whole nother beast. And, and there's, there's quite a few restrictions as to whether or not you qualify for it. And, you know, Raiden and I had a ton of questions about how it all works. So we decided to bring on uh, Kevin Houston. He's an attorney in this area. He, uh, he's the founder of Carolina Estate Council, which is a law firm focusing on elder law and estate planning. And we talk thing, all things Medicaid and Medicaid planning. And I think you're going to find this very beneficial. Yeah, I think that uh, this topic is is something that uh, can be overwhelming. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, we ask you to do this next thing that I think I ask all the time is please, if you have not had a chance, we certainly do appreciate it. If you think our show is a five-star show, give us a five-star rating, please, and write us a review. And don't forget to uh, check out our website, which is pomwealth.net. You can check out the blog page, and we have tons of articles there on different uh, areas of um, retirement planning, so go check that out. But before we get into the show, we have to do a quick disclosure, and then we'll get started. Yeah, so while we did not talk anything financial, really, we do have an attorney that we are interviewing, so I got to make sure we do our disclosure today which is the information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only, not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your specific situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stancil and Merce Tariq. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast today. We certainly uh, are excited about what we're going to be able to go over. Uh, Merce and I, when we're talking to individuals, we get the question quite regularly. You know, how do we deal with certain uh, types of estate planning? And one of those is, hey, I've heard about this thing where you can plan for Medicaid or, or long-term care or or nursing home, and there's a lot of misconceptions around this idea. Uh, I think a lot of it, you know, people sometimes think, "Oh my goodness, my house can get taken," and I'm, you know, and they they misunderstand how the 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 actual parts of of Medicaid work and the difference between that and Medicare. And so we have uh, Kevin Houston, who's an attorney, an estate planning attorney. He deals in this topic, and so Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with us. Well, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Great. So let's just kind of get into it um, here uh, right off the top here, Kevin. Could you tell us, you know, what is Medicaid and, and you know, how does that come into play and who is that for? Yeah, so Medicaid is essentially, um, you know, a government program. It's essentially insurance for people who need assistance with paying for medical care, paying for uh, long-term care. 
And so it's designed for, for individuals who meet certain criteria. There, there are limited, you've got to have limited means. In other words, there's income criteria and asset criteria that you have to meet. And you must be 65 years or older or disabled to qualify. Gotcha. So, so when you say that, when I hear 65 and older, I immediately, Kevin, I think of Medicare. So, so tell me what the difference between Medicare is and Medicaid. I know you just said income limitations, but tell me uh, just from a grand scheme of things, what's the major differences there? Yeah, I think there's two important distinctions to keep in mind between Medicaid and Medicare. One is who is eligible for it. So Medicare is not a means tested program, meaning that if you're 65 or older, you can get Medicare. For Medicaid, um, you do have to be, like I said, it's either 65 years or older or disabled. And then you have to meet certain uh, asset and income criteria. So in other words, there are asset limits and there's also income caps. So you've got to be under a certain income level and asset level, depending on which Medicaid program you're trying to qualify for. So, um, so Medicaid can be tricky to qualify for. It's great if you can get it though, in terms of the benefits. Um, the other uh, important distinction would be what it actually covers. And people get confused as to what Medicare covers and what Medicaid covers, of course. And what I often tell people is Medicare does very little in terms of long-term care. So in other words, if you end up in a, in a facility, whether it's assisted living, skilled nursing, uh, memory care facility, um, Medicaid is, is the resource to look to for that. Medicare is not going to cover much. Basically with Medicare, you can get uh, you know, 20 days full coverage potentially, maybe 100 days partial coverage or the uh, days 21 through 100 partial coverage for a, like a rehab center, for example. But you know, Medicare is not going to cover long-term care. And that's why Medicaid is such an important benefit because if you are in a, uh, a, Medicaid, a nursing home, a long-term care facility, uh, Medicare will run out very shortly. And then you've got to look to Medicaid potentially to pay for your bill. So you know, a lot of times when people start looking into it or they start thinking about it, they're concerned about, I guess, in all essence, trying to protect their assets. So could we talk a little bit about what is what I guess gets thrown around sometimes as Medicaid planning, like right. how does that work? I mean, what, what is a person trying to achieve in that idea of Medicaid planning? Sure. So looking ahead, I mean, we see what the asset limits are and, and for Medicaid, it's, you've got strict asset limits. Like for example, if you're single, you've got a $2,000 asset limit for what they call countable assets. Now there are certain assets that are not countable like a house, a car, um, certain things, but most of your assets would be countable. And so then people try to plan in terms of trying to figure out how can I qualify for, pay, for Medicaid paying for my long-term care benefits and yet try to preserve some of these assets. And so it really is a, a means of trying to protect assets uh, either in advance of the need or you can do a crisis mode strategy and, and we can discuss both of those. But Medicaid planning is most effectively done if you plan ahead of time. And that's because I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar with, uh, or maybe not, but the five-year look back, you know, that's a term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, so when you apply for Medicaid, for long-term care Medicaid, they ask, have you given away any assets in the last five years? And if you have given away assets five years prior to the application for Medicaid, 
you'll be penalized for, you know, and not be eligible for Medicaid for a period of time. And that period is based on how much you gave away, in fact. Um, so the key there, one, one, you know, one area uh, of concern or one, one strategy would be go ahead and gift assets in advance of the need for, for Medicaid. And if you can do it five years in advance, then after five years, those gifts or those transfers are off the books for Medicaid. And so a lot of, a lot of the pre-planning strategies would be uh, transferring assets to try to get past the five-year look back for, for, um, for skilled nursing Medicaid. Gotcha. So, so Medicaid planning is, it, it, it's good to be thinking about it well, well ahead of the time that you're going to be needing that long-term care or skilled care um, situation because, because of that five-year look back period. Um, and, and a lot of our listeners know about Medicare and their look back period from an income perspective and what that could do to your Medicare premiums. And then life insurance has look back periods too, as to whether or not you qualify. And if you, you know, there's a, I believe there's a two year look back period on some of the things that you say when you apply for life insurance. So it makes sense because of the value that Medicaid can bring to the table, they are going to do their, the government is going to do their due diligence and make sure you actually do qualify. So, so you kind of gave us the, the best time if you're going to do the pre-planning, but you did mention something which is called crisis planning. Yeah. And, and now I'm wondering, you know, you said a five-year look back period, but a crisis, you're, you don't know if crisis is going to happen in five, within a five-year window. It happens that day or it happens in that year. So what do you do there in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. So crisis planning, again, is much trickier and there's no guarantee at all that you're going to get in a crisis situation and still be able to protect your assets because Medicaid is always changing the rules and they tend to be more restrictive, of course. So in other words, some planning strategies that might work now may not work in a year in terms of these crisis strategies. But I'll give you some examples. Um, under, under the Medicaid rules, you can transfer assets to a disabled child um, without any penalty. So I've had many clients who have taken advantage of that and they can transfer a uh, house or transfer really whatever resources they have to a disabled child uh, or to a trust for a disabled person is, is also allowed. Um, um, if you're under the age of 65, you can set up a first party special needs trust and that would be exempt from Medicaid as well. Um, you can transfer assets to your spouse as well and that's uh, without penalty for Medicaid. Now it gets tricky because you know if you are married, they're they're counting the assets of both husband and wife, so it's a little bit more you know complicated than that. But you know the point is there are some crisis strategies available. Um, also, crisis planning you know really involves uh, trying to shelter assets by converting these countable assets to non-countable assets. And just a quick example of that, like I mentioned before, that a house is non-countable for Medicaid, meaning that you can own a house and, and qualify for Medicaid. Well, what that means is you can actually, you know, pay down your mortgage, for example, or do put, you know, put some money into renovating your house. And that would be a way of spending down your cash to within the, the Medicaid asset limits. And you and you're building equity in your house, of course, but that house again is exempt from Medicaid. So there, there's, you know, quite a number of crisis strategies if you know what to look for um, when you're planning for Medicaid. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course 
Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. So what, what you just said there, just so I understand, let's say you've got 100000 in the bank sitting in cash and you've got, you owe 100000 on your mortgage. Well, in that situation right there, you would technically not qualify because you have a certain amount of cash sitting there. But you're saying, hey, if we take that 100000 put it into the house, and, and, and now, because that is now all in the, what you, what you call non-countable asset, that makes, that opens up an avenue for Medicaid planning. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Converting countable assets to non-countable. That, that's exactly right. So that, that hundred thousand is, is now vaporized, if you will, it's in the house in a non-countable form. Um, if you're married too, there's also some, some, some good strategies uh, under current law where you can set up what's called Medicaid compliant annuities or Medicaid compliant promissory notes. And I, why don't I go through, go through an example of that as well. So let's say, let's say you've got a hundred thousand. And so um, it, now, if you're single, I mentioned that it's a $2,000 asset limit for Medicaid. If you're married and you're trying to qualify for Medicaid, generally speaking, what they'll do is they'll take the combined assets of husband and wife, and they don't really care whose name it's in. If the husband's in the nursing home, they'll count the assets of, of the wife as well and, and the husband. But so let's say the husband's in the nursing home, if they've got 100000 in cash, uh, the Medicaid would say they've got to spend down roughly half of that before he can qualify for Medicaid. So basically, the wife can keep $50,000. He's got to reduce his $50,000 down to $2,000. So you've got to spend down basically $48,000 out of the $100,000. So what he can do in that situation is he can transfer his assets all to his wife, and she can put the $48,000 that has to be spent down into an annuity. It's a special type of annuity that's going to pay her income over a period of time. And because it's Medicaid compliant, that means that that annuity is not countable for Medicaid. And that, that would allow him to immediately become eligible, even though that asset wasn't spent for nursing care. It's just been converted to an income stream for his wife. So again, there's many, many strategies like that that I could share, but of course, just kind of, kind of giving you the overview. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So when it comes to that, because I know you do other things other than just Medicaid planning, but if we were to look at this and say, who should be doing this? Like who, who would, who, what's the scenario where that somebody would say, hey, I need to go and maybe start looking at Medicaid planning. Is that something everybody should do? Or is it really kind of more of a specialized type scenario? Um, I would say everyone should start thinking about it. Um, you know, Pretty, I would say everyone, just about everyone should have a will and some basic legal documents, like your will, your financial power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney, and probably a living will. And those power of attorney documents, just having those can set up a situation where they would authorize your, the person you're naming, your agent, to be able to do some of these Medicaid planning strategies. So if, if you do nothing else, even when you're younger, just getting your basic legal documents in place, which you should, again, everybody should have, that power of attorney can authorize things like these gifting strategies or establishing trusts and other things that can be used later for Medicaid planning. I mean, I've had people as young as I'd say 30s or 40s who have a, a tragic accident and end up needing to qualify for Medicaid. So you really never know 
when these strategies might might um, might be helpful. Uh, so yeah, but for the most part, I mean, people kind of probably start thinking seriously seriously about Medicaid planning when they're probably in their 60s and 70s, thinking more about passing on assets to the children. But I would say, you know, pretty much you're never never uh, too young to think about this. Um, ordinarily, when people think seriously about gifting assets and transferring assets for Medicaid, you know, like the five-year look back to transfer assets for that, usually for my clients, it's probably in their 60s, 70s, even in their 80s, some people are doing that to try to, try to shelter assets. Maybe even 90s. I mean, there's, I, I've, I've have, have had people in their 90s even thinking, hey, I, I might be around for another 5, 10, 15 years, and, and you know, they still want to shelter their assets, which, you know, which I, which I support. It's, it, these are legal strategies. These are all completely above board. Um, all these Medicaid strategies, we, we run by the Medicaid caseworker and it's pr perfectly within the rules and perfectly ethical. Yeah, yeah. And so on that point, we, we do like to try to stay balanced here. And so everything that we've said is kind of in the, in the pro of, yeah, you should be doing, you should be thinking at least towards Medicaid planning. And there's obviously a lot of advantages if you can get qualified for Medicaid, because it takes, it takes care of a lot of the expenses that, what are you going to do otherwise? You're going to pay for it yourself if you have the assets. So if there's a way to shelter those assets, it makes sense. But what are some of the cons here? It can't just be all great. And there's got to be something where you know, some the, the negatives or the yeah. gotchas that we got to be thinking about. The first one that comes to mind is, well, you no longer have assets to a degree. You've kind of transferred right. that away from yourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so for one thing, I will, I will say this, uh, I, I do want to underscore one point, and before I address that, the, the cost of long-term care is, is become extremely expensive, and, and I don't oh, know, yeah. you know if you've kept up with this, but I've seen, especially in COVID days, now that COVID has hit, the prices have just skyrocketed in long-term care facilities, and I literally, I have seen $20,000 a month bills coming from a skilled nursing facility. I mean, that's, that's unusual, right, but it's not uncommon. In, in this area, and let's say in Raleigh, to see $10,000, $12,000, $14,000 a month, um, you know, long-term care bills. But yeah, but okay, but to your point, so, that, so that's the importance is we're trying to shelter assets because assets can be quickly reduced if you end up in a nursing home or even in a, in a memory care you know, facility or assisted living for that matter. Um, but yeah, to your point, in, in terms of Medicaid strategies, yeah, if you're thinking about you know, pre-planning and trying to shelter assets and, and basically gift assets ahead of the five-year look back. Yeah, I mean, the, the downside clearly is you're giving up control of your assets. And so, for example, if you were to, to make a gift to your children for the purpose of trying to protect those assets from Medicaid, you know, you, you, if you think you may need those assets back, that's purely going to be in the discretion of your children as to whether they later support you, right? You, you are giving up control of the assets. And I never take that lightly. Yeah, when I talk with clients, that's I always say they they often they like to ask me, well, what should I do, <laughs> right? Well, the answer is I can't tell you that. You've got to, you've got to weigh the pros and the cons here because yes, if you give away assets, you're sheltering them from Medicaid. But clearly, the downside is you're you're giving up control of your assets, and now you're subject to, um, you know, the discretion of your your children, let's say, um, as to whether they want to support you or not. That's so that's the downside clearly. So how does your process work if, if somebody has, you know, got questions about this or they're thinking about what should they do? Like, how, how does that work with you in, in, in your practice? 
Well, you know, we like to, well, uh, we, we like to talk things through and get a, get a good understanding of what, what the client's assets are, what their concerns are. And, and we do, and this is not a plug. We, I mean, we just personally do free consultations to kind of, kind of weigh that out and, and make sure it's a good fit, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of different goals that come into play with estate planning. There's things like estate taxes. There's things like Medicaid. There's things like avoiding probate. There's incapacity issues and making sure that if you become incapacitated, you've got legal documents to address that. So it's kind of a holistic approach that we don't necessarily focus on on Medicaid or the elder law component, but it's one of many factors that we look at in terms of a good holistic estate plan. And some people, of course, in their younger stages are going to have very little concern with Medicaid, right? And they're more concerned about you know, making sure that there's, uh, you know, guardianship and trust in place for their, for their minor children or, or whatnot. So I don't know if I answered your question, but feel free to follow up on that. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, so what, what I hear there is that, yeah, you, you, you do the elder care and the, the Medicaid planning, but you, you're pretty much holistically looking at the entire situation. And that, that helps you see whether or not you do need to go down that path of Medicare planning, I mean, Medicaid planning uh, or not. And so, um, I think that's great. So, you know, I think we've had a, a wealth of knowledge here, Medicaid, Medicare, they're very heavy, heavy topics, and we could talk forever on them, and ultimately start to lose where we are. But um, I think this has been great, Kevin, if you could just tell us, tell us or tell our listeners how if they if they found some value here, if they wanted to reach out to you, how could they do that? Uh, sure, you can call us directly. Um, my, our, our direct number 919-741-6565. Uh, you can look us up. Uh, we've got two websites. I'll give, I'll give you one of two websites, HoustonLawFirm.com. It's H-U-S-T-O-N, uh, HoustonLawFirm.com. People like to misspell my name, of course, but yeah. Great. Well, uh, Kevin, we certainly do appreciate you talking to us today and explaining what is a complicated topic. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll probably have to have you back here to do some follow-up uh, in, in a future episode. So thank you, though. Yeah, thank you. I'd be happy to join you again. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.